Welcome to the Confident in Christ podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Valley Springs, Arkansas. The purpose of our podcast is to equip believers to give confident and hope-filled answers to questions about our faith. During the month of May, the topic of discussion for the podcast is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this episode, our team grappled with what the New Testament calls the gift of prophecy, including defining that gift and examining some of the passages in the New Testament about the exercise and the cautions about the gift of prophecy. All right, well, we ended last podcast looking at the spiritual gift lists in the New Testament. And one thing that we noticed and talked about briefly was these different types of more miraculous, supernatural type gifts. And today I wanted us to hone in on prophecy. I know many Christians. I know several pastors who are serious Bible students. And, and they take the scriptures very seriously and land in different places when it comes to these different miraculous gifts. And specifically with this, when it comes to the notion of there being an active and valid gift that we would call a gift of prophecy in the church. So again, we're not talking so much about the office of a prophet. We're talking about the gift of prophecy. Let me give you a, a little definition here. Here's one how one person defined prophecy. He said, a fresh, a fresh examination of the New Testament teaching on the gift of prophecy will show that it should not be defined as predicting the future or proclaiming a word from the Lord, nor just as powerful preaching, but rather as this. Prophecy is telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Prophecy as telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. And we can throw the caveat, we're talking about Christians, because we're talking about spiritual gifts. So the Spirit may be prompting us with something that he's brought to mind and we're to tell. What do y'all think about that definition? Does that, do you think that fits the biblical evidence? I like that definition. Uh, I don't know that most people would qualify it that way, though. I think most people would think it's predicting the future. Uh, basically, but uh, I, I, but I like his definition. I think that offers a lot more discussion than just making future predictions. You know, being Nostradamus uh, biblically, too many times that's what we think prophecy is. So that's a, that's a unique definition I haven't heard before. Yeah. So so, and the reason people think that is because that is sometimes in the Old Testament there was that, correct? Yeah. And we would say that was valid. Many times and in various places, and in the past, God spoke through the prophet to his people. So that was valid. But as we move into the New Testament, maybe there's some, some shifting. So we are specifically talking about this idea of the, the gifting of the Holy Spirit that we call prophecy. And, and that definition does make it more palatable. Any other thoughts about that? I would also say that prophecy is also kind of saying, be prepared. Because if you think about it, the Old Testament prophecies were a lot about be prepared for Jesus. And prophecies about what Jesus was going to be born, what was going to happen to him when he was crucified. Like, he would not break a bone. That's preparing people to kind of look to see what would happen. Like, wait, Jesus didn't break a bone, and he got crucified. But he shouldn't have broken a bone, but he didn't. So that's something people can, like, really be like, oh, go back to the Old Testament and be like, there's prophecy about that and correlate that and I'd say the same as for nowadays is prophecy is for preparing so saying like prophecy could be we're having a church business meeting about a plan to do an outdoor event and we're all expecting it to go 
nice and dandy, all 100%. You know, it's going to be sunshine and rainbows that day. But you're going to have that one person that says, we should be prepared for worst case scenario as well. But, you know, the thing is, is that could be prophecy right there too, is being prepared for that case scenario in, that, if, in case it happens. What differentiates that in a, just a Boy Scout mentality? In other words, I'm the person that always wants to be prepared. I think the worst, or I watch the weather. What, what in your mind, what you're saying there, what would differentiate that from just being a good Boy Scout? Uh, I would say the cause behind, the reasoning behind the cause of you saying that. Which would be what if it's prophecy? It's also what God lays on your heart that you should feel like you should say. So the so you're saying that the prompting comes from not just a natural bit to be prepared but maybe God is prompting something there yeah I, I, the other thing I was going to tie into prophecy is uh, you know prophet which is kind of along that line is a little bit is the Old Testament prophecy was a prophecy of warning of caution cautionary tales so, you know the prophets were hey uh, if you don't change if you don't wake up if you don't worship the Lord if you don't get right hard times are coming and you know they were they were laying the warning and uh, so that that you know I guess those are the kind of the two uh, ways prophecy was prophecy of things to come that were specific and then there was kind of the, the warning prophecies I guess that happened prior to being enslaved and overrun a lot of, a lot of difficult times uh, uh, to whatever group of people uh, were happening whether it was Jonah's bunch or Jews or you know conversation with uh, Noah, it was a prophecy, uh, just uh, lots of prophecy happening in the Old Testament. So yeah, his definition of prophecy is a little bit, a little bit different. It makes it, it, it makes the conversation about prophecy. Somebody says, "Oh, God really laid this on my heart." So that kind of becomes a gift of prophecy in that definition. Yeah, it could. It, yeah, yeah. It's a, know. it's a soft, it's a soft definition. I don't think it's wrong. It just softens things. It makes them, look, like I said, a little, a little easier to take if you're edgy about those kind of things. And here's why this discussion is important, I think, that when you come across, again, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 28 through 31, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, and so on and so forth. Are, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? And uh, then he says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he launches into that beautiful 1 Corinthians 13, which is about love, which should invade the use of all gifts. And without love, the gifts are just noise. And then he tells us what is the greater gift that we should earnestly desire. He says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So there is our great apostle Paul telling the church at Corinth, you should really earnestly desire to prophesy. Now, if you just write prophecy off and say it just doesn't exist, it's just not a thing anymore, then uh, yeah, this is not much of an issue. But if you want to take this seriously and say he's telling us to desire this, we do want to come to grips with it so that we can know well, what, is, what is he wanting us to desire. And, uh, and we ask, is it still valid today? And what about all these people who are prophesying who seem to be wrong? So this is a, it's a pretty tangled up issue.
but uh, I do I do want us to to grapple with it a little bit. The way I, in my studies, the way I've kind of understood it is prophecy and prophets is proclaiming God's truth. In the Old Testament, the prophets were proclaiming as truth of what was to come. And now today's prophets, which could really be anybody, is proclaiming the truth of God, which is the Bible. So if, we're, if we go out and preach at the park or whatever, if we're proclaiming the truth of God, we are basically prophets because we are proclaiming God's truth. Yeah. Well, and that's what Grudem in his definition, he says it's not powerful preaching or it's not just proclamation of the truth. He said it's really something different where, where God has just prompted you. So we can look at some examples in, in the Bible uh, that, that uh, might be helpful. In uh, Acts 21.4 is an example. Some disciples giving Paul some spirit-prompted warnings about what's going to happen going uh, to Jerusalem. There was a prophet named uh, Agabus, I believe was his name. And uh, I think this would be in the early part of the book of Acts or the middle part of the book of Acts when he talks about drought and a famine that's to come. So those are things, they're, they're not of the same scriptural type weight. They're, they're more personal, if you will. Uh, things that seem to have to do with a, a season or an event and a time. So, so I think that generally when the Bible's talking about prophecy, it's New Testament-wise. It's something that we see maybe is ratcheted down from the level of, of Scripture that's meant for everybody. So in my Bible, it talks about prophecy as the main purpose is communicating God's message to people, but it's through insight, warning, um, correction, or encouragement. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder, you talked about a lady coming up to you and giving you a word. Was she prophesying? She didn't say that, and if she would, I probably would have jumped out of the car. <laughs> yeah, she just said I, it was just something like, um, you know, with that definition of yeah. insight or or encouragement, even she didn't say now. Would I say this looking back? Right. I, you know, probably that's what I would say. If I if I was going to give a biblical name to what she did, because it was something like she shouldn't even been thinking about for me or known about. I don't think she did know about it, and the Lord just prompted her, and it was just pretty conversational. But it's just like, hey, <laughs> she just said it, and uh, that's what I would have called it. That, that's my category for it. I've, I've heard preachers talk about prophetic-type preaching where they say, you know, I've studied the sermon. I've got the exegesis down. I mean, I've done my expositional stuff. i got my outline. And then just in a moment, and it could be, it could be something you totally prepared in advance. It's an illustration. Or just in the middle of a sermon where you just, you know, if I can use that phrase, you, you feel prompted to, to go down a different path and you finish up the sermon and you go out and someone's like, that part right there, that was for me, or it struck me right here. And those are the kinds of things that I I think that just so often you're even unaware of how the Lord's going to use something. But I, I personally have no problem with calling those kind of things prophecy. Where I start to get edgy is, is the people who on their shingle they hang out on their website they are prophets such and such and everything they have to say is thus saith the Lord and the Lord says this that kind of stuff gets me a little bit uh, well a lot bit cautious I read that kind of stuff more for entertainment and sermon illustrations <laughs> it's it's the people I know and I know are spiritual people 
as they're speaking those kind of things or saying something that I, I tend to put more weight with that. You know, this whole subject, if, uh, if, if you're non-Christian, this whole thing about knowing the future, it's kind of a swarmy subject, but I, I do think as Christians, it's important that we keep in mind, you know, we, we live in this physical world bounded by length, width, height, time. That's our four dimensions. And God is actually outside that, completely outside that. And, you know, for him, you know, he was at Christ's uh, resurrection today. He's right here today, and he knows where tomorrow is for me. He's outside that timeline. He exists at all places, at all times. It, this is not a this is not a difficulty. It's not a stretch. He sees every choice I'm going to make for the rest of my life now. He knows what's coming. And so the idea that that God might choose to intervene with a word or a comment or a, or give someone a, 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 a compassion, a care, and burden a heart to say something, an encouragement at the right moment, at the right time, and that fall into the definition of prophecy, I think, I think, yeah, that's completely possible because our God is at all, he's at the beginning and at the end of all time. He, he absolutely knows every event that in our timeline. He's not bounded by time. And when you really get your mind about what that means, for him, all this is now. Everything is now. And so, it's it's you know it's not a stretch it's not a big deal it's a it, he can he can reach out and make that that quiet prompting yeah the God who knows the end from the beginning that's right mm-hmm. in First Corinthians fourteen twenty four it says that even unbelievers uh, can be convicted by prophecy mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting I mean you know because it talks about tongues and how they're going to think you're crazy is basically what he says but um you know if they hear everybody prophesying they'll it kind of exposes you know it can expose i mean even believers i guess really because you, you know like you said somebody can say something you're like ooh, i am totally going through that and um yeah i just thought that was cool but i love that as it continues it says as they listen their secret thoughts will be mm-hmm. exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship god declaring god is truly here among you like how did it must have been God, because who would have known that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the mistake that a lot of people make with this is number one, the people who proclaim to be prophets, like in the last election, there were a lot of these, and they would say they are prophets of the Lord, and there's a bunch of them. You can go on different websites and charismatic news sites, um, and these people that call themselves prophets said that Trump would be the president again there would be another term and there was a bunch of them they were just this was going on for months and months and then when biden and then went right up into the time of the inauguration and then there was a lot of backpedaling and some just said oh well i was wrong and uh you know and we're like well you said you're a prophet did we stone you now or what you know you, you want to know how to react to that seriously and then you had some that just go man i i'm having to rethink my whole life and my calling now. And then you have people in those movements who are going, I don't just don't know if I should even listen to anybody. And I think the danger is when we, again, st- style ourselves a prophet or tag on that, thus saith the Lord. I was trying to think in the New Testament. I, I, right off the top of my head, I should have done this homework. 
can't think of any, even where we see things that seem to be indicated as prophecy, you don't seem to see this hubris and these people standing up and acting like they're Moses or better than Jesus. You just seem to see people given a word that the Lord impressed on them and they just went on. And a lot of time it's in retrospect that they're like, this person said that. Said that. Yeah. yeah, so there, there's a humility to it, number one. It took faith to say it. One of those scriptures said test, you know, test the test your prophecy. I think that was an excellent test of those people who were claiming uh, special knowledge and uh, didn't quite turn out like they said. Uh, you got to test your prophecies. Yeah, that though, all of those fraudulent things and these false things we see, I think much of that was going on in, in biblical times. And the effect is it, it tends to make you jaded and cynical about those things. And that is where, in, in the reference Kurt was talking about, First Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies. In other words, I think they were despising prophecies because there were a lot of yahoos saying, thus saith the Lord, and they're like, I'm tired of hearing from prophets. Paul says, now listen, don't, don't despise prophecies. There can be some legitimate good in them, but test everything, verse 21. Hold fast what is good. To me, that's a great biblical balance of saying, you know, I'm not going to totally write these things off, that there seems to be biblical evidence for existing, but I'm not going to put it up as scripture. I, I play scripture far above that. We were talking about how Paul tells them, he never tells the churches, well, weigh scripture, and if you like it and it sounds good to you, you should do it. You know, it's like, you belong to Jesus, you're a Christian, do it. We expect you to obey the Lord, but... When you hear a prophecy, now nah, you test that stuff. That, that interesting thing about that passage in Acts, we talked about Acts 21, where these people were prompted by the Lord to give Paul a warning about what was awaiting him. You know what he did? He ignored it. <laughs> Basically, he's like, well, that's a good word. And that's probably true, but I'm going on anyway. He didn't treat it like a thus saith the Lord. He just didn't. And and uh, so you, I think you weigh those things. I think with stuff... You know, if you feel like, oh, I just feel like I need to say this. I think discernment comes into it a lot. I mean, I, I think we've all probably felt like that before. Like, is this really, you know, am I just wanting to say this or am I just like being hopeful about this? Or I just think you have to pray about it, honestly, before you vocalize that sometimes. Yeah. I think it's good advice. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of your tests in that discernment would be, what you look back on as you look back with regret. I think I think discernment definitely tells you when yeah, probably didn't do that one right. And you, you have a you have a you, you know there was an opportunity to do something better or different. Yeah. You let it you missed it. You let it go. One question I don't remember who taught me to ask this, but what is my motive? You know, before I say this, before I, I speak out, what's my motive? Yeah. But I do think there should be an encouragement. If your motive's right, you, you're wanting to serve the Lord and serve people, sometimes you need to speak up. And, and I will say this, that uh, I think that's one of the greatest ways that God intends to, to mobilize gifting is just through our speech and through our going to people. And uh, that can be encouraging words. It can be any number of things. I'll tell you, people come into church, usually if they're here, they're looking for something. There's a, there's a void, there's a need, there's a question, there's something, they're searching for something. 
But I think you should be encouraged that God can use our words in a powerful way. I want to wrap it up with uh, one warning. Stacy. what was that that you had mentioned earlier in Matthew 7? 15 through 16, be aware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. So taking care who we listen to and how much weight we place on their words and watching their fruit and, and trying to discern do they seem legitimate. If you're like me and you believe that this is a, a potential gift that God uses, then you would want to say it, but I want to be very discerning about it because, you know, people can be led astray. Thanks for coming to the table uh, this week, and next week we'll be discussing the gift of tongues. It's always a pleasure to come together with our podcast team and gather around the table and discuss the Bible's teaching. I know I was greatly encouraged and, and helped and sharpened in my thinking, and I hope you were as well. And I hope you'll join us next week for our Confident in Christ podcast.